You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Hey, we're back for another episode of the podcast. Again, as always, thank you for being here. And on this episode, episode number three, the boys and I talk about, uh, you know, what we're doing in the off season. So usually at the end of the hunting season, it's a good idea to kind of look at your your past year, look at your gear, look at your methods, and start to refine everything and sharpen it and, you know, make yourself more efficient. Um, for the most part for us on this podcast, that's gear. And we talk about what we liked um, on our hunts, what gear performed well, what we want to change in the future, uh, things to look out for, um, whether that comes down to your bow, your arrows, uh, you know, a lot of your, your hiking gear, your camping gear, things like that, boots, whatever it is, it's important to pay attention to that and not forget about what pain you had or what you wanted to change for the following hunting season because you know there's a very good chance that you could forget about what that was come the following year and then you're there you are again you're saying shit i forgot to change this or i was going to do that do it now while you can so here we are talking about what we are going to change and uh, what we're going to do this year all right we're back another podcast episode all right. hello all right this one we wanted to we thought it was a good idea this time of year i think it goes overlooked i know i used to do it in the past is everyone puts their gear away or they're back in their totes and they might have something else on their mind like camping boating uh fishing or whatever it is but it's a good time of year to go through your gear and to figure out what worked 
in the previous season, what didn't work, what you got to upgrade, what you got to change different, um, whether that might be your entire bow, might be your tree stand that was too loud. You got to figure out how to quiet it down or whatever it is. Um, these are just some, uh, some quick hitters that I think that, uh, ran through our mind. We're going to kind of ramble off of, uh, how our seasons went and, uh, what worked for us and what didn't. So if anybody wants to start, <laughs> please take it. From uh, here. I'll let you know what I'm, I'm looking into right now. This is pretty much based off of our Colorado trip coming up. Um, I didn't enjoy the mommy sleeping bag I had. Um, nothing wrong with the brand or anything like that. I didn't like being wrapped up in it, so I've been looking at the quilts. What's what? What brand was it? Um, and, and if you don't mind sharing <laughs> your build and your size, because I think that goes for a long way for yeah, people yeah, listening for sure. to that. Uh, I'm five seven. And I'm a pretty stocky dude. I'm I'm two fifteen, two ten, and um, uh, pretty broad shoulders. And I get in the mummy bags, and it's just uncomfortable. Like you're bottled up inside of there. Um, I'm not sure. I can't think of the name of the bag off the top of my head. Um, was it REI? It, no, it wasn't REI. It was um, it was a newer company. Um, had really good reviews. It was one of the bigger bags, um, but uh, I did not enjoy it. So I'm looking into some sleeping quilts. Um, kind of go through the different types of sleeping bags, if you know. So like a mummy bag is like exactly what he's saying. Like anybody who's coming from the outside, like the traditional sleeping bag, it's not like you're you're going in a camper or you're going to your friend's house and you want to roll out your traditional, you know, yep. cotton sleeping bag Square. or whatever. It's yeah. Got the, it's got the hood. It literally looks like a mummy coffin. If you can think of like crossing your arms across your chest and then it having it taper down, you don't move much in it. So kind of explain like what you liked and what you didn't like. Uh, uh, I just didn't like not be able to move my arms. Like I, I just sleeping comfortable, just being comfortable. What kind know? of sleeper are you? Side sleeper, back sleeper? Uh, side sleeper. Okay. I like to put my arms up underneath, you know, over top of my head. So that you get your little inflatable pillow inside of there, you know, REI pillow, whatever you, you guys, your preference. And um, we all slept on cots. Hmm. Um, we took the Helinox cots, the aluminum cots. They're like two and a half pounds. And uh, they were awesome. Kept you up off the ground. Yeah, really but, nice. Um, you're just bundled up inside of there. I didn't sleep on it. I didn't enjoy it. So you're getting your butt kicked every day. And we were putting a lot of miles in. Um, my goal was to find a better quilt, something lightweight, obviously in that two pound range, that, that 20 degree range. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the good name brands out there. I looked at uh, revelation this is pretty highly recommended. I was, I read a lot on them guys. There's Nemo. Nemo's good. Yeah. Kafaru makes a good one. I mean, Kuyu. Kuyu's got a good one. I seen that one in action in Alaska. Um, the Packer loved that one. Um, Kafaru's got, yeah, Kafaru's got a good one. And then, you know, it's a big purchase if anybody's thinking about it. So you really got to like get what you want, get, yeah. get your research and, and it's a big, per- I mean, you're up to six, 600 bucks. I'd say 400 to $700. Yeah. You're, you're in that range of what and you're going to pay for. what are you it. using it for? You know, sometimes yeah. they overlook that. Well, I'm buying it for this trip. Cool. Are you ever going to use it again? Absolutely. Or are you going to take that on the next trip in December? Right. Do you have 10 of them that you're going to switch out a different bag for each trip? Or right. are you going to get a three season, you know, inflatable pad versus a four season? Like, you know, what are you doing with it? And that, that's, or some that's people. kind of why I'm looking in the lower uh, temperature range because uh, Alaska will be next year. And I'm, I'm sure they will have uh, same tent, same cots. I'm looking at that, you know, 20 degree, that 10 degree bag. I don't probably need it for Colorado. But uh, Alaska, it's going to be be what I need. 
And then you got down and synthetic. Are you going to be yeah. by water? Are you going to be in a heated tent? Are you going to yeah. be out in, uh, you know, a regular tent? What, what are you doing, yeah. right? We'll do we a use... whole podcast just on sleeping bags. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, a lot, sure. there's a lot it's to insane. think about in yeah. that stuff. But uh, I'm looking to add more weight to my arrows this year. Um, shot elk, you know, and uh, I wasn't extremely happy with not blowing through them or, or getting more penetration. So I want to stay in that 270 to 280 feet per second and add a little bit more weight to my arrow. So what arrow did you shoot last year? Uh, the Valkyrie. Okay. I was at, uh, my total setup was like 480, 480 grains. And I want to go up over 500. I'm shooting like 286 and, uh, I'm willing to drop a little bit to put a little bit more weight on there. Would you put, do you have like outserts on it and everything? I did not have outserts. They were weighted inserts. Okay. I had 50 grains in the weighted inserts and I was shooting 125 heads expandable or uh uh for fixed? colorado they were fixed uh they were uh slick tricks so they were one 125 green slick tricks gotcha and we change our broadheads that's another sidekick but uh yeah. depending on what we're hunting and where we're hunting and if we're hunting walking floating sitting in a tree stand is it elk or is it deer and we we debated that a lot and that's a whole different conversation yeah, but yeah i mean nuts. I but get now that. is the time to change the arrows right yeah that's a whole nother conversation because <laughs> i got an opinion on that uh Me too. everybody does <laughs> dude like a broadheads is almost like uh that's like very personal it's a lot a of people topic. it's a touchy topic <laughs> and there's a lot of different avenues you can go down with that all right anything else changing up uh, I don't know if I'm changing up. Uh, me and Kel talked about it quite a bit. Uh, is the boots? So we've all kind of discussed it. Um, Ooh, boots is good. Yeah, I that'll make or break a trip list. right it's there. It's probably a whole other topic too. Uh, That's okay. What What did you like or didn't like about your boots this past season? We We all used the Crispy GTX, and they're uh, waterproof, and and um, they were phenomenal, super comfortable. Um, but uh, not a whole lot of breathable. It, it, our feet didn't dry. I mean, we changed socks out, we changed insoles out, and. Just some sweating. Just sweating. I have that on my list, too. Breathe good. You don't know going in, right? So how many rivers you're going to have to cross? How much rain are you going to get? So that the waterproofness was an attraction to us. That That was an appeal. But during our trip, we didn't get a drop of rain. And the couple tiny rivers that we crossed had log jams over them. We would have never needed them. So in our case, I think we would have been much better yeah. off with a more breathable boot. I got you. Even though that we put 500 to 1,000 miles on them before we even left. So working out. So they were totally broken. They just were holding too much moisture. We might have just got lucky on our trip, too. I mean, we might have encountered a completely different scenario. But uh we all experienced just not very good breathable shoes. We all talked about possibly going with something else. It's tough too, man. Cause when you go out West, like weather rolls in and out all the time. And like, yeah. again, boots is another big purchase. That's a lot of money. And it's like, all right, I've got, I've budgeted for boots, but do I want one where it's got insulation? Am I going to use them back in Michigan? Yeah. Or the mindset is like you guys yeah. said, like if it's just for out West and you want something breathable, make it, you know, that's a decision you gotta make. So, I can see a lot of guys like going overboard, maybe buying too warm of a boot for September. For sure. Because they're thinking like, well, then I can use it back in Michigan in October and November when I'm just sitting in my tree stand. I want my feet to be warm, but it's been like these these products are made for like very specific yeah, that was situations. A huge thing that I noticed. I think these guys noticed too. We were in Colorado. You do not need to dress warm. Like we were working so hard and walking uphill and just moving all the time. It, it's not deer hunting. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we didn't use the long johns and the heavy coats. Like, like when we left the camp with packs on our back, we were cold. And then within 10 minutes, like 
you're warmed up. Warm like up. You don't you don't need that insulation. Right. So I have boots on my list also, and we should tell them that the temperatures out there were like 20 degrees to 75 yeah. degrees. So I mean, it really changed that much. And in, for footwear. I mean, you guys, did you bring camp shoes or anything? So that's how I'm changing it. So we brought a couple pair of uh, merino wool socks. Okay. And I was changing my socks out because it was getting sweaty. But my insoles were still damp because Uh they stayed in there. So I know a lot of people, Tom, had extra insoles or replacement. I'm going to bring two sets of insoles up this year. One to keep my boat my boot the other one my pack insoles weigh one ounce right and so knowing i'm changing my socks i'm also changing my insoles Ah. to get a whole dry system in there and yes i had camp shoes i had crocs they worked good they were comfortable they were cool but this time i think i'm gonna bring i haven't figured out yet either just a straight tennis shoe a really light open breathable tennis shoe but i don't want to roll my ankle either or a little boot to go up but then i don't want to bring two boots right because i don't want to pack all that weight and so I'm debating the boots were super, the crispies were super comfortable. It's a huge part of hiking through there. The ankle support was fabulous. It's just our feet got wet because we were sweating. You guys think you'll stay with crispy again, just a different like model or a different. I don't know like, why we wouldn't. I mean, I was just curious. I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I didn't know if you had like eyed up another boot brand, but you're happy with crispies. That's. And I don't want to go spend another couple hundred bucks on my boot works amazingly. I'm super happy with it. It just, I had sweaty feet was my problem. So I just got to either bite the bullet and buy a breathable one or bring a tennis shoe or maybe switch to insoles. Those are things I'm working on. This is a good time of year to do that because I'm not actually using it next week. Right. Yeah. Weather kind of right now could be what you're facing in September too. So like maybe work around the house in it or I don't know, landscaping outside or if you're figure it out now. I mean, Mm-hmm. that's the other thing you can think about too with your gear like what time of year is the weather right now in spring in michigan i mean other than the last two weeks which was really warm for us but <laughs> this week is going to be back in yeah. the low 50s mid 50s so that could be a uh, mid-october that could be even um you know late october for for high temperatures and things like that and then at night in the mornings could be cool like in the low 30s things like that so things to think about I also had arrows on my list and I made, I learned something about arrows. I got some gold tip black label arrows and they were kind of a special edition with my bow. They were awesome. Top notch. Really liked them. I went to go order some more and they're like, well, those are special edition. We don't have any more of those. I can't get any. I'm like, well, I really like my setup and I can't go out and buy any more right now. I can't find them. I even looked online and everything. So now I'm going to have to switch. It's, it's basically still a gold tip. I'll go to the Hunter XTs or something like that. It's real similar, but now I don't have the, uh, the metal ring on the back of the knock. Yeah, I know you're talking about on the gold tips. Yeah, yeah I know you're talking back, about. The XTs won't have this. So it's probably only one grain difference, but you get superstitious and you're like, everything's exactly the same. I don't want to change anything. And now I have to get another arrow. So whatever arrow go with next, I'm going to get a ton of them. So I have them for two or three years. I don't have to go, I'll get a dozen and next I break five. And then next year I get a dozen. I'm going to get three dozen and I'm going to be stick with that and be good for a long time yeah i was thinking about that the other day like i'm only down to like seven arrows so i can't half-ass it like i have to buy another dozen arrows because i can ruin a lot between now and 
September or October when I start shooting again. So that's a good point. Like you said, you can't get those black labels anymore or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's like, you almost got to start over kind of thing. And then like the arrows are going to fly different. So maybe you have to recite in your bow differently. And I don't know. That's, and it's probably a minor change. It'll probably be close, but back to that superstitious. Thing. Yeah, it is. And just whatever I get, I would want to get a lot of them this time. And this now is the time of year because when we're in season, yeah, I got eight left or something. I'm not changing anything. This is right. go time. Yeah. I want to just keep practicing. That's the last thing you want to worry about getting stuff together for your trip. Like that should be dialed in, ready sure. to go. Yeah. I went through eight arrows in one trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, another thing about here is we should bring up, uh, I guess this is, I know, but, uh, when you're doing hiking or walking, make sure yeah. they stay in your quiver. We kept losing them a lot. I seen that in your guys' video. We did. What, what was that? Just rattling loose and it came out of the... Usually it was brush, grass like falling. Oh, so they'd be on the back of our packs or we'd be, you know, put them over a head or whatever. And you'd walk, you wouldn't notice it. Wait, I thought I had more off. arrows yeah. in this. I lost a knock out of one. I had a Luminox in my arrows and they weren't... I, put a dab of glue on most of them and it must have popped off and okay but we're pretty rough we're going over log jams and yeah. cricks and through the sticks and brushing like half using it and so it's getting beat up but we we're we we're, our arrows were falling out of our quivers because of the brush and sticks we were climbing over the whole time going through some gnarly stuff were you gonna say something about your arrow setup no no arrows are great <laughs> have a bunch of them and shoot right now you know this isn't the time that we put away like we're still going to shoot all summer and that oh yeah consistency and you know it, it really says a lot about your confidence going into season like i've been shooting for six months like oh you guys just got your arrows out two weeks ago but we've been shooting for six months but that's how you build confidence to shoot further distances and have you know have some confidence in your how abilities. many good arrows do you guys go into i always mark my like broadhead arrows versus yeah, practice arrows yep how many do you guys feel comfortable going into a season with i i always ask myself that and i always feel like four for me is not enough like i feel like if i shoot or miss an animal i don't trust that arrow anymore so they're now down the three mm -hmm. you know what i mean like and it can dwindle away especially in a big trip like you said when you guys were going you guys lost arrows mm -hmm. what would you guys recommend guys how many broadhead arrows? It depends on how much yeah. you hunt and what you're hunting. So if I'm tree stand hunting whitetails in Michigan in my shots, every time I tree stand, it's always 30 yards under. I mean, you get that fluke, but it's, they're usually pretty tight and close. I'll grab any arrow on my quiver, no big deal. I feel really comfortable. I can put it in there nice and tight. If we're going out mule deer hunting, we're poking out there and we're spot and stalk and have to get in there i'm a lot more picky on my arrows and want to you know fine-tune yeah. it really i break a ton tom breaks, a, breaks ton. a ton he hits them in that front shoulder all the time so every animal snap when you shoot 10 animals a year and you snap 10 animals a year that's your answer how yeah. many animals do you shoot a year that's how many arrows you need give or take a few misses or or may or may not do that but you shoot 10 deer a year or 10 animals and you break every one well you better have a dozen dozen and a half going into that season yeah. if you're the type of guy who shoots one or two a year i mean yeah sure maybe six you know half a dozen will be more appropriate for you but what do you what are you gonna do we do float hunting i which use two we, dozen arrows we miss a lot and you know we lose them don't recover them whatever it's just that's part of it so i broke seven arrows last year and i shot six deer with my bow so they i break a lot <laughs> i don't think it's crazy to buy two dozen arrows especially no. if you're doing a whole new setup or if you get a new bow and you're switching everything out 
and target shooting. I can't yeah. tell you how many arrows yeah. that I've snapped target shooting or after I pull them out of a target, everybody should be testing your arrows before they shoot every single time. So we shoot an indoor archery league where you have five guys shooting, you know, 25 arrows into a target all 20 yards or less you need to be flex testing those arrows meaning you grab one hand on your knock one hand on your tip and you need to create a bend in that carbon arrow so that it doesn't snap when you shoot it and go into your hand like i'm sure everyone's seen the videos or pictures of that's why you pressure test your arrows every single time i had one break on me um broke a couple of inches in front of the knock so kind of way back and it whipped and it hit my arm i showed these guys a picture you know oh. a three inch circle <laughs> bruise or something it was the arrow when it broke it it smacked me and oh boy did that hurt it scared me it very easily if it broke at a different place you've seen it where they go right through your hand so we start doing that and then we found broken ones because we've been doing it more so you found those stress risers ahead of time of like what is it like uh is it like what describe like what to look for on the arrow I don't look as much as I do testing. Okay. You'll feel it. So you'll, you'll feel the pop or I've actually physically snapped them in half because carbon is either perfectly straight or it's going to break, right? There's no in between that doesn't bend like aluminum used doesn't, to bend, right? Okay. Yeah. So I put pressure on them. They've literally snapped in my hands. I was just getting ready to shoot that arrow. And I've like thrown a half a dozen of them away like during archery league. But if you're shooting a hundred arrows a day, even in your backyard for six months and you know, naturally them arrows are going to get dinged. So we're big fans and have a lot of arrows. I've noticed it. when a couple of arrows, like it's hard for us if we're anywhere under 35 yards, even at the same dot more than one time, because we're, we're hitting our own arrows. We're just lining them up. Right. And then you hit one, gosh, dang it. That was a good one. So now I'm finding myself six arrows, six dots. Like, uh, it's tough because you're ruining arrows and it's your good arrow that you liked mm-hmm. and it's dangerous and don't mess it up. And like, I'll <laughs> shoot this one. Arrow, I'll walk all the way out there and pull one arrow at a time. So I don't mess this lucky arrow up. We didn't talk really about numbering arrows. We we all do it. Get two dozen arrows and I'll go one through twenty-four, and you find your good arrows. You know what one flies perfect, and you get your whatever your quiver is four, five, six, whatever your quiver, and you get those start selecting the those ones best that work, arrows. Yeah. You know, and then it's all funny because we joke by the middle of the season and we're like, oh, I lost two of my best arrows or my two good arrows yeah. or. I shoot uh, full metal jackets and. Uh, anybody listen to this one thing i notice is like especially if you put brass in the tip and you're sh- shooting a higher foc which i started to do in preparation for if when i do go out west if you get used to shooting whitetail with it i mean all it's going to do is put a you know knock them down even put a bigger punch but anyways what i notice is like one time i put my target in front of when i was at camp and i put it in front of like a tree to kind of like make sure it didn't blow back and go go you know fall over as i was hitting it well when my arrows started to blow through that target and come out the other side they were hitting the tree and then a lot of things on or a lot of times on the full metal jackets that aluminum at the end will start to fray out almost like um uh like a split uh, you know what i mean so like when it hits something that hard and it's got that brass in there and that foc look at where your field tip or whatever your broadhead goes into there and if it starts to like flare out at the end that arrow is getting unshootable so you got to be careful what you're mm-hmm. where to put your target and to make sure like what your target's hitting on the other side because i've got six seven arrows up on my wall right now where the brass knocked back into the aluminum more and it like split it down almost like a like a tree almost yeah. if that makes sense mm-hmm. but just 
one thing. So we're all working on arrows. That's cool. They have a lot of uh, 3D archery shoots outdoors. I'd Mm -hmm. like it. Take my kids and my wife. You know, we enjoy it. Stay out. Do as much as you want. We've just talked about that last couple weeks. There's a whole schedule, I'm sure. Look into your local area. There's a lot of gun clubs and archery shoots. Outdoor time. This time of year, 3D shoots. I broke my pack. Um, It's been broke for a year. I've been using it. It just doesn't stabilize as well. I had a... um, a Kuyu in the frame. I seen you put it on the Facebook. Right? Yeah, I did. And I ran a couple <laughs> dead ends, but I did learn. I'm always mixing stuff. But I'm, I'm weird like that. <laughs> Tell them what you did with your pack with your, like you're talking about your harness. Didn't you switch something out? Yeah. So, um, what kind of pack do you got, Kel? I have Excel. an Axel. So we were going heavyweight and there's two things to do with the pack. One, I put an Exo belt on a, on a Kuyu pack because I liked his belt better and I liked the pack of the Kuyu because it has all these pockets and then organized and I, I like gadgets. Kuyu Icon 7200. Yep. 7200. So I fell on a tree and when I fell my weight of me and my pack and everything went down it broke off the uh, carbon fiber stabilizer little H piece on the bottom the that frame. attached to oh, the yeah, yeah. on the frame yep. part. It still works. Hold it up. Low's good. I'm just losing a little bit of balance um, of, of wiggling, I'd say. So I put it online, and uh, I wasn't the original owner of this uh, Kuyu, or they would have warrantied it. So you bought I, it used. I bought it used. Okay. Worked great. It was, it was perfect. But I broke it. It was my fault. I fell. And so then they said, oh, go to this brand, go to this brand, blah, blah. And um, I found that with the, the Kafaru, Kafaru have some highly recommended pack frames. And I can put my bag on that one. So if I do that combo, I'll buy their suspension and frame and I'll put the Kuyu pack on it. And the only reason I don't want, I like that Kuyu one again, because it has all the pockets. I mean, it's and it's big and you know, it's 7,200 is a big one. There's not too many yeah. 7,000 plus cubic inch, you know, packs right. out there. And, and we found out in Colorado. all kinds of gadgets. We call him go-go gadget, <laughs> Mr. MacGyver over here. So he's got all yeah. kinds of crap that he loves to carry yeah no idea and the weight wasn't really that big a deal when we were going out there we we kind of made a base camp so we were like 60 pounds or so going in that's with our bow and our food and our water everything but our room started to be a problem um we had all light stuff but once you get your bag in there and your sleeping bag and your cod and your bow and all this stuff like i think room was just as big of a problem as kind of keep the weight down like uh so the bigger pack was nice and so uh I've had it broke for a year. I've been using it. It's fine. But now's a good time because I don't really need it for a couple more months. Make them adjustments. Make sure I'm practicing with heavy weight. It feels good before I actually go pull the trigger on our trip. I want to make sure I'm prepared. And so that's one thing I've been working on is fixing broken gear. It's a good time of year to do that. Uh, my myself, I've been working on uh, audio for camera gear. So last Ooh, year, that's a good topic. Yeah. So last year we had uh, we did Tom and I hunted a bunch, and Carson we all hunted in Ohio, and then we traveled to a couple other states. But we had some problems with some wind, and um, so we we in boats and stuff. We had all this wind static, and so we've been working on lapel mics and. That's been interesting. It's been a process. I'm learning that there's no such thing as cheap wireless. No. So that's what I'm learning. So the downside of uh, 
either I got to pay for super good wireless lapel mics that go right into my camera, but our camera's a little outdated. So that the big thing that creates a problem with is post-production, right? In the edit room of trying to match up a secondary audio track to our primary right. video. And if it's a conversation like this, no big deal. You got one or two video tracks, one or two audio. But uh, we did our, I always joke about our uh, Ohio uh, whitetail deer drives video. I had 10 hours of footage between four different video cameras that was not including any audio tracks. And that video, I narrowed it down to a, whatever it is on YouTube now. I don't know, a 15 minute video or something, but the, it's an immense amount of time to match all that stuff up. Um, can you get away with the wired one if you just kind of like strapped it to your waist and kind of just fed it up through the inside? Because so I know those are a lot wire, cheaper. Wireless isn't the problem. The problem is is having a microphone system that communicates with your camera. Oh, that one. Okay. So I, I thought you meant a, like the I ones can, that clip here so they get your audio of you talking. Yeah, so we can have that piece of cake, but it records to its own separate SD card. Yeah. So then I have the, you know, I have to go back and physically match up that track to, to the that visual. specific audio. Right. Something like Colorado, we're going to have six to ten days of video yeah. footage i could potentially have you know hundreds of hours of audio it'd be just really difficult so, so the real problem is the cameras and the really? cameras you know a little bit outdated some yeah. of the audio jacks aren't you know up but to then par. the cameras work well right and so they're great nobody we don't want <laughs> we're not made of money we don't want to go and waste and spend thousands of dollars on this camera this camera works great well we need the microphones a little better well then you also don't want to work 40 hours extra on editing a video to get your sound this much quality for us to just share it on YouTube just for fun sees, you know, but you want it to be a little better, but then where do you draw the line? And that's some of the conversations that we had. Yeah. And that's important too, right? It's not like we're, we're not sponsored. We're not making a living. We're not making any money off of this. So it's like, as a, just an average person listening, I'm in the same boat as you are, you know, right. just where do you draw the line to doing this for us versus doing it for them versus what are your right. goals right so that's kind of where we're at but i'm learning a lot about audio uh, i'm in the same boat about arrows i'm pretty much out of arrows so i'll be upgrading some arrows soon and boy i think that's about it i think we're in pretty good shape we uh we've been rock and rolling last couple of years learning a lot so clothing we're and, talking about gear we learned gear so much how much do we laugh we talked about hiking up the mountains and car hearts and giant them big old uh ice boots that i have i walked to that death hill with those i'm like jesus <laughs> yeah. i stuck back when i was walking your own right? death and, and car hearts and all the crazy and now our boots are, clothes like we didn't have anything man are so so much better and half time i get a gift certificate to a local sports store and i'm like there's nothing I even need here. The kind of store is not even good enough Relevant for me. to, yeah, the way you hunt, yeah. Because now it's all specialty. It's like it right. to the point, right yep. to what I need. One thing that I have is I have um, a little headlamp clips on my hat, super light, maybe one or two ounces. Works great. I've had it for a couple of years now. I'm nervous that the battery's getting worn out on it. Still works great. I'm still going to use it all the way to hunting. But if I go up on the mountain for five days, it's rechargeable. I I can't just change up the batteries, and we've talked about that before. So it's been a great light. It's a cheap light. Nothing special. It's a it's a Sunreal is the brand. Um, 
I'm not wearing the exact same one. I like it. It just works for me, but I want a brand new fresh battery. It's probably a $20 light. Like it's nothing fancy, but. And dry bags. We ran into that problem in Colorado last time. Yeah. We need better dry bags. We're going to bring a bunch of them. Really? As well as filtration bags for water systems. So we all had a gallon or two uh, of filtration system. We each had our gallon bag with our Sawyer water filters. It's a gravity fed system. They're awesome. They're super easy to use, but we needed more of them for ease of when we go get water instead of getting three gallons let's get eight ten gallons so i don't have to walk that trip again to get it all and the then time, when yeah. we're out there we needed more of the cork size like squeeze bag so when we get to a river system i can squeeze that into my nalgene bottle and refill my water easier and every trip we're learning this stuff right we're just getting a little bit better a little better and the nalgene bottle is important to talk to talk about on them pack systems uh so i had a XO pack and I didn't know they made an aftermarket Nelgene water bottle holder on my hip there. So I was always trying to ask my buddies, Tom and Carson, to put these put the bottle in my stuff sack or whatever. Because he couldn't reach. I couldn't yeah. reach back, back there. But now we have this nice holder. It's awesome. It's a twenty dollar upgrade that's fantastic. I just bought one last weekend. They're great. It's, I use it all deer season. Hey, tell year. them about the dry bags, right? So we're not there. It didn't rain, right, at all. So why in the heck do we need dry bags, right? And we're going to bring a bunch of them up there. <laughs> dry bags. We decided when we were up there last time that we, the goal of meat care is to keep the meat cool and dry. And so we decided the best way to do that without hiking out, you know, three to 10 miles, however far we were in there, was to put the meat in a sealed dry bag. So it's dry, it's clean. And we would roll that up, seal that, and we'd put it in the river system, which is natural fed spring water cool. at whatever it is, 45, 50 degrees. Right. And we put rocks on top of it. And that way our meat is cool, clean, and dry. And we don't have to hike five miles out while the elk hunting's good. We can continue hunting, stage our meat until it's a convenient time for us to get out of, off the mountain. It's our refrigerator, and it cools the meat amazingly awesome. awesome. Super cool. And How's the, the streams are coming from right, predators? Pardon me? How's the scent control from predators? Not great sometimes. Um, so, but it's underneath, so it's sealed. It's completely underwater, okay. and then we put rocks on top of it. Okay, yeah. I think so, it's just important to one make sure your dry bag is completely sealed, right? So we had some um, not up to par dry bags. So we had a little pinhole in there that caused our meat to get wet, and it caused scent for right. critters, right? Um, so next time we're going to have better quality dry bags that are hundred percent sealed, right? That's yeah, the yeah. goal of dry bag. Yeah. And yeah. even that day, if you get you know, say a mule deer or something that day, it, it was 70 during the day. Like it was hot. And so you put it down there, cool it down. That's better meat here. Even if we just hike out four hours later, that's a big deal to be 70 degrees in sure. four hours. Yeah. So it's cool. important to wash the outside of the bag off. Like you're saying. So as you're touching that bag with blood and stuff to really rinse that down, try to get all that scent off of there. We actually did that to the mule deer, but we actually ate it at camp. We uh, brought the TP 10 from Kafaro and we had the wood stove. So we cook back straps and we, we yeah, I noticed there. that in the yeah. video. You guys had a good setup there. Yeah, yeah sweet. Awesome. Yeah, super cool. That's a deal changer. And it's not just to have the heated tent for the comfort of heat. That's just a bonus. But when we were in Alaska, it snowed for the last six days in a row and there was no drying out. So we're setting the tent up while it's snowing and it's that 33 degree temperature, which wet. is wet. Yeah. And then we're putting our sleep bags in Then they're a little wet. Then we get them back out, try to stuff them. We're going back on the raft. And so day two, three, four, five of that weather, we just couldn't regroup. 
it was just wet. If you have this heated tent, we can set everything up there. You can make it 100 degrees in there, cake, and it dries everything out. Now you can regroup. It's it's a deal changer. I think we all want to change our food up. Just at least small tweaks for next time as far as this Colorado trip and uh, our food, what we choose to bring and how much we choose to bring. What didn't work well? You don't have to talk what worked well. What what would you suggest like, hey, we found like this? We overpacked. You did? We brought a pound, a pound and a half to in that pound to two pound range per day. And um, we did not even come close to eating that. Really? And I think today right here at home, we would have ate all that and more. Sure. Yeah. But when we were working out, uh, ketosis, is that what it's called? Your body's eating the fat. Mm-hmm. And so I think we were working out so much. We were burning our fat and our appetites got um, first couple of days. I couldn't eat hardly anything. Inter- like intermittent fasting. Like, right? yeah. you're, like you're, you're living off your fat supply rather than pretty much what, what, yeah, what not on purpose. Consuming. It's just like, I got all this awesome food and Kelly did a great job and I'm copying off him more. Get food that you like, that you actually really, truly enjoy. And like, yeah. you want to eat it. I don't, yeah, you want to be healthy, but don't get this one protein bar because the numbers are all in here. Say that it's phenomenal and you go to eat it. I wasn't hungry in first. I didn't want to eat anything. Right. He's got Slim Jims and jerky sticks and this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like. I love it. You have to be excited about your food and don't buy into that crap. You have to bring healthy this or you have to do that. If that's what you eat every day and you love that, absolutely do that. But if you don't eat that or you don't like that, do not carry it up Keep your diet the same yeah, like keep it the same yeah because if you're eating you know salads and you're eating all like great at home and then you go into the mountains and you're eating completely different um or it's just like on a camping trip if you're hunting for a week you're gonna your body's gonna say whoa i feel like shit or i need this and if you don't have that and it's a couple hundred miles away to the local store you're gonna be in rough shape i think all of us agree that whatever was the easiest is what we're gonna pick every single time so like i had some tuna and some chicken and like these little pre-made packages with crackers stuff ain't no way in heck i'm taking out i'm gonna grab a (laughs) snickers bar because it's right here it's gonna open up the thing and i love snickers yeah that's a no-brainer so i won't not bring any of that crap just to say that i brought it or that it's good for me because i just don't like that stuff it's too it's not convenient i don't know about you guys but like when we were hiking up the hills and like if we had a steep mountain or something like that to hike up your body craves things that probably is not that good for you so like i craved the snicker bar or the sugar or something like that to put back in my body because I burned so many calories mm-hmm. being out there and you don't realize it. So when you sit down, like if you try to eat super healthy, when you sit down, I don't think that your body's naturally craving that. Like it's good to throw some sugar in your body or something that you can, you know, stoke back into the fire to burn off for the next three hours. And you know, you're going to burn through it, even if it is a snicker bar or two. That's where I had a problem. Normally at home, I eat a lot of chicken and tuna and I eat somewhat fairly healthy. And then I took tuna packets with me and like bagels and peanut butter and, you know, stuff that I normally eat. And when we were out there, I was not hungry at all. And then when I wanted to eat, it was like Snickers, M&Ms, beef jerky, like just easy sugary food. Like that's what I crave. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about all the time. Your body wants to stay the same, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we go from burning two, three, 4,000 calories around here. It depends on our day, whatever to burn in 15,000 calories a day and putting in all those miles, like an ungodly workout. We right. just were intense. Your body wants to stay the same. So it needs all the event sugars and stuff. Yeah. So that's cool to think about in the off season, your diet and what you're going to pack and what you're going to cook up or it's a good point. Um, for me, what I noticed is, um, I always look at this time of year is, uh, you know, a big thing for me is mobile hunting. So 
you know, I've got a lone wolf and I've had it now for, I think this is my third, third season. I just finished with it. So I'd be going into my fourth and I remember getting down out of the tree stand and, or I'm sorry, getting into the tree stand. And as I was stepping on it, I could start to hear my straps make that noise of like, like when you first buy it, you don't hear the strap creaking or anything like that when you're stepping or getting into it. But like this season, just from being in the weather or whatever it is, um, uh, you know, in December, I started to hear the noise from the strap stretching or, you know, to me, that's a, that's an onset of dry rot or whatever it is just from being out there. So for me this year, one thing that I'm going through is I'm taking every single strap out. I'm going to replace it with new ones from uh, lone wolf is the setup that I have right now. I know there's a lot of other brands out there. Um, so that was, uh, that was an indicator for me. I actually wrote it down in my phone for a reminder in June to order more of them. Um, so that was a big one for me. One thing that I had on my list too in the off season, um, is it's kind of obvious, but I think maybe not to a lot of people is, uh, your body. So did you have an injury from the year before? Is, is your knee acting up? Is your shoulder acting up? You know, just because you're not as active maybe in the springtime or the summertime or things like that, you need to go get it checked out, whatever it is. If you've got a foot problem, you know, I've, there was someone in camp in Alaska that had a foot problem. And, uh, you know, if you get out there and, they're like, and you say, oh, it's been acting up for years, well, what have you done about it in the off season? When you get out there, that's not the time to find out where it's like, yep, it's coming back again or whatever it is. So I think your body just figure out what you need yeah. to take care of on your body. We've been working out a lot. Uh, and I'm working out different for this Colorado trip than I did last time. Last time I did a lot of, uh, what do you call it? Strength training, basically heavy packs and yeah. walking slower. Sure. I wanted to get my legs stronger. I got out there and maybe cause my legs were stronger, but I didn't have any muscle fatigue at all. It was all cardio. It just breathing, breathing, breathing in your air in the mountains and stuff. So this year I'm training a lot different. We all have been working out a ton, uh, we only have you know a few months to go september is going to be here before you know it and so we've been, i've just been cardio and cardio and we keep taking pictures of the treadmill sending to each other and doing our stairs but i'm doing interval workouts long runs slow around just chained up all cardio i'm just trying to get uh my cardio as high as i can so when you guys went out last year you're saying your legs didn't give it out what gave out first was your wind so wind. like you were more like winded yep and we recovered fast so we you're walking, breathing, you know, hard, and then right. you'd stop and you'd take a 20 second recovery. Like we started getting really fast, 20, 30 second breaks, right. and we're like, all right, we're good. And then you're just walking up and up and up and down, you know, up all over. And so then, and then take another break. And I'm like, your legs tired? My legs aren't tired at all, like none. And we're just walking, and we hiked in there with, with heavier packs and those challenge but then we dumped most weight where packs were you know 20 pounds or something day packs yeah. going in and out and then we had to haul out we were all pretty heavy 100 plus pounds and it was a lot of work but uh it was our cardio like even when our heavy packs were 100 pounds like my legs never got tired even day five six seven eight i ten i wasn't sore at all in my legs it was just um the better cardio i could be the better i perform i don't even know how much you could even train for that but yeah being at 400 feet elevation in michigan it's tough man it's tough out here like when you go out to the mountains it's it's the terrain's different the um like you said the elevation and the air and everything like that it's it's hard to train for i mean if you're listening to this and you're in michigan if you go up north you could almost like just go to the dunes or something like that if you wanted to like just kind of see like where you're at to measure yourself like oh my legs were, were giving out on me or 
you know, maybe like you said, like do more cardio because maybe your legs are fine, but you were winded pretty easily this year for Alaska. It was tough because with the COVID and everything shut down the gyms, I just ran a lot for the most part. Um, I would say day after day one hike into spike camp, my legs were sore, but I recovered extremely fast because when you're running, you're still building muscle on your legs and everything like that. But all I did for, for the most part for my training was like air squats, but every single day I ran at least two miles. And then from there, I just kept building it up and building it up. So my cardio was up. Maybe my muscle wasn't as where I wanted it to be in my legs, but, um, yeah, just try to keep that balance. I wouldn't go one extreme more than the other no Absolutely. i think everybody's different too i think it depends on your career your job yeah we're all firemen we're yeah you guys care on heavy stuff we, and we don't have desk jobs or anything like that i just think train for where you think you're going to be or where you're at in life i guess in a different trip next year we're going to alaska i'm not gonna be running cardio like this i'll do different you know just maybe just go a little strength and but maybe don't it's not quite as important everything. on that trip that's more of a mental grind trip and so every trip's different right so you we kind of adapt to what the needs are. Mm-hmm. And the uh, mental grind is kind of an interesting aspect. And uh, I don't really know if it's something that we're preparing for, but uh, you know, something I want to bring up is we had a few friends write us letters before on trips. And, so, you know, the mental aspect doesn't get talked about a lot. But when you're there and you're, you know, up in a mountain or you're in the middle of Alaska or whatever, uh, sometimes it's awesome to have a, a friend or family or someone important to you write you a little note for that day. So I wrote notes in my pack for uh, in Colorado of things I wanted to do, like day three, it's going to happen today. Day five, stay the course. It's, it's you're oh, looking, gotcha. you have it figured out. So, again, it's just kind of mental training, if you will. But it, it really does help waking up in the morning to kind of whether it's notes from yourself or your spouse or whatever the case, but that'll really help change your mentality going into that specific day. Mental's a lot of it. I think, I mean, my, my guy talked about that, you know, when we got towards the end, you know, he kind of like, you know, they tell you stories, they've been doing it for a long time and he's seen guys walk off the mountain, say, get me out of here early. Not, it's not what I thought. They're just mentally weak or this is not what I thought. They just, whatever barrier in their mind that they couldn't push through when they hit that wall um, and they couldn't physically or mentally think about how to get through it, you know, they threw in the towel. And no matter how much he tried to convince them, like, A, it's expensive. B, don't do it. You're going to regret it as soon as you get on that plane to get out of here if if, if if I call to get you out of here early. But like he said, he told us countless stories of guys still going through with, with being pulled off early. And I think, you know, like you said, motivation, um, that, that gets back to the previous podcast that we did when you said the guys that you go with, it's huge. You got to know their mentality before they go out there. You got to know their tempers. You got to know what sets them off and are they going to be able to get through tough situations and be on the same page, right? At any level, as long as you guys are equal, right. You know, Hey, I just want to go hang out and have fun and not be too serious. Well, great. If the other partner's on the same page, then that works out perfect. You just can't have them mismatched. Right. That that's the, we have friends like that. Mm-hmm. Those are the friends that you go on the fun trips with. And they go to the Fletcher's Pond with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go on the fishing trip, the drinking trip. They're good uh, to drink know, beer with. Yeah. They, they don't hike up the mountain You with need us. those trips, though. You got to have the balance. 
There's it's tough to plan for, like you said, uh, Kelly. I mean, if you can do that ahead of time, like you said, people write you notes or you write yourself notes like on this day. One thing that helped me was I kept a journal when I was in Alaska just to say how I was feeling that day. Yep, that's cool. Like one day, you know, whether you're missing the kids or the wife really bad or I remember writing the, when it just, it was blowing 65 mile hour winds and it was raining the entire time. And it's like, we're here to hunt. I'm going out in it. I can't just sit in my tent all day long. Mm-hmm. So you go out in it and I remember getting back in it and like you just, I, I love being dry. Like being dry is really great you know what i mean like from sitting out outside in it all day long and getting back into it so like when you write down your thoughts like that go through your past adventures or your past times of like where there was like a sock that you wanted to get through and i don't know and that's your life right so if a lot of us are all athletes right so Mm -hmm. for me it's like a sport and i'm practicing that mental as i'm doing workouts now so i'm like oh push it come on get you two seconds faster like i have a goal in mind and then that self-talk is huge uh um, you know, everyone's different, but I do a lot of self-talk to myself, stay persistent, do good things, one mm-hmm. more step or whatever I'm telling myself, yeah. positive self-talk to, to just keep it, keep going, keep one more step. And these guys were all pretty, pretty tough guys and it would don't break very often. I had a weird kind of break in Colorado and it wasn't because of the grind or anything like that. I felt like I didn't deserve any more opportunities. I had more than I had three shots and a do-it-yourself archery hunt at big bulls one i blew at judge wrong distance the other one i shot my brother's dead elk and we got it but i didn't know he shot it 10 seconds before i did and so that was his we got that one and tom and i shot one together beautiful shot couldn't change anything it was on high alert and it, and it ducked it the the elk lowered oh, yeah. and it, you know that was just happens sometimes right and you so just i'm got like, in your own head there yeah and i'm like well i don't I don't even want another opportunity because I, I feel like I've been more than blessed and I, I'm stealing it if I get another opportunity. I have three shots and a do-it-yourself elk archery right. on, on public land when you never even... What, what more could I ever want? Success rate's already at 10%, so it's like I got if you had shots three off. shots within a 10%, yeah. <laughs> that's and, pretty good. And so that, that was a weird thing where I was like, done. you know, I still want to try to help these guys out, but... Uh, that, that wasn't a giving up. It was just, I, I don't deserve anymore. This was more than the opportunities that I got or deserved, I guess. That was interesting. That never happened before. It's one of those things that's tough to prepare for. You just got to go through stuff. Like you said, like you got to go through it and learn from it. And I don't, I don't think you can prepare for that. It's tough, man. If you don't experience that or. You, you, need, know. To know, you need to know what's coming. Yeah, you need like, to know something's coming down the line where you're like, you need to do a self check. Or you guys are all upbeat, man. You guys just keep when you're watching your videos. You guys just keep everybody upbeat. I get pumped at ten o'clock at night watching your videos. I, I can't go to sleep. You know what I mean? So awesome. I was like, man, if I was hunting with them, I'd be fucking jacked to go in there and do whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you said, you didn't move your feet on that one shot. I'm like, what? He literally didn't move his feet and he shot two animals. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but like time and pressure, right? We keep talking about it. And then we feed off of each other, right? Yeah. And, and all groups, like but there's a big group, small group. It's like, come on, you're, you're going to do this today. We're, we're going to change it. We're learning. We're getting better. So there's a lot of positivity going on. Yeah, that's good. Nobody's it's, superhuman. Everybody has bad days. We all yeah. have our moments where we're just over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it seems like you guys are always into the success of the whole group rather than the individual, which yeah, is, absolutely. I think, important. Maybe overly generous. So we argue, <laughs> uh, it's my turn to drive Who's a boat. Up? You guys should have the opportunity. No, no, no. You've already been doing two hours. It's your turn to step up front. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. And like, like, well, who's going to give in and just 
do the fun part blah, blah, like you know and so uh right. we came up with our own tricks to to bypass that uh, me and kelly do it a lot when we're float hunting on the boat we'll set an alarm on our phone like when the hour's up no matter if we're at a good spot or a bad spot like time change yeah, you yeah. don't have an option like, right. we draw cards a lot um yeah. so there's no there's no um decision making it's like all right who, who gets the first shot on this oh, okay thing? i got you all right well let's do uh one two three right all right let's pick them out right so there's no politics no talking anymore draw the cards oh you got number one you got two you got three you're up first you're up second you're up third and let's just let that roll better reel us back in here lee we're getting way off yeah we are getting way off talking. um and then the last thing i had was uh broadheads kind of like what you were saying earlier how you have different broadheads for different species i'm kind of the opposite okay i stick to the same broadhead all years and i shoot the same thing so that's why i said like whatever i'm shooting if i'm setting up for a big animal um you know i've been practicing over the last two years for elk so i've been shooting nothing but an elk setup even at my whitetail. And the reason being like, yeah, that's super overkill. My arrows are expensive. My broadheads are expensive for a whitetail. I understand that. But if I'm shooting and I'm comfortable at that weight with that broadhead, uh, knowing what, you know, it's quiet, it works for me on a whitetail deer. Um, for the most part, I think it will work for the elk as long as my shot placement is good. And um, so I just, for me, whatever, you know, my advice, if you're kind of like in my mindset is, Stay consistent throughout the entire year. Um, don't buy your broadheads in September. And practice with them. Yes. Because yeah. depending how your bow is, and every bow is different, every tune's different, and I know they're supposed to fly the same. I've had they bows don't. that are completely different, yeah. and I've had bows that are pretty tight. But you need to actually shoot your, your setup. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that we would be doing other years that we're not doing right now because we've already done the research, done the things such as the water filtration we talked about a little bit. Um, you should be getting your in-reach devices. So if you're going in a hunt where you're not going to have cell phone service, you need to have some way to communicate uh, via satellite, mm -hmm. like an in-reach, Garmin in-reach right. makes a great product. Um, but, but those all take some time to figure out to get the plan set up, whether you're getting cell links programming those you know everyone has different brands and stuff but those need to be set up early and yeah. kind of navigate through those uh, boots clothing tents sleep systems hunting equipment and then a big one that we haven't talked about yet is calling so right so we're oh, yeah. all going out west and we're uh, learning how to call better and, and where do you guys time. practice calling it? my you wife's just... getting pretty annoyed lately yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so who's the caller in the group i know you were trying we in videos right be. We all have to be. That's, yeah. that's the long answer. Carson called mostly last time. He's he's a freak when it comes to figuring out animals and, and, and figuring out what they the want whisper. and stuff. He's super talented. <laughs> but uh, Carson kind of figured out the best out of the three of us, but we're all putting more effort into that. We were kind of stubborn and naive, if you will, that we didn't think we were going to call elk. I'm, I'm just going to treat it like yeah. a whitetail, and I'm going to sneak up, and I, I don't even need a call, right? Because I'm, I'm a, this silly guy from Michigan. But, uh, <laughs> Things just on, walk into us in Michigan. Too. But yeah, now, it changed. You know, now that we've learned, and, and he sounded off the second day or first day or whatever it was, and he started interacting with elk, and we're like, oh, boy, now we're behind the yeah. eight ball here. So we're not going to allow ourselves to do that this time, be a little bit more That's proficient. a big thing. And we can do a different podcast on it of the calling techniques but i i'm a poor caller I, i'm not the quality of call but what i learned i watched 
I think maybe every YouTube video that had the word elk and calling in it, like maybe a hundred hours of YouTube and every single person's opinion. And I learned emotion was extremely huge, maybe more important than your calling capabilities. I would put myself on a low level calling capability. I, I suck. I'm not even that great. I can make one basic sound. And then I learned some sounds can scare them and your basic just bugle that's um it's pretty safe like you kind of can't mess that one up okay and so getting the motion and reading the elk like we were talking about this is a big bull like i'm not gonna win this i'm already losing i might as well just go for it or oh this is a mediocre one it's a little more timid so i'm gonna be a little more timid and so instead of focusing on the skill level of the call um focus on your emotion of the call and when to be aggressive and when not to be Based aggressive. Off body language or whatever they're, body they're language doing huge. coming in. Yeah. That's a good point in the off season, you know, figure out how you're going to call or who's going to be calling. But I think it's probably important for everybody to figure out at yeah. least to have bring filming, uh, working on tripods, different tripods, camp gear, camp chairs. I mean, all this stuff that goes into these hunts that, you know, that, that need to be thought of. And now's the time to think of them. So our tripods are big when our, even for tree stand hunting in November, like, you know, what arms are we going to use or what heads or, you know, microphones and different stuff in the future. I think it'd be cool for us, um, for another podcast to be like, we come to the podcast with our packs of what's packed. And then maybe we just go through what we have laid out based off of our hunt that we're going into and what we're bringing. Mm -hmm. And I think people would feel, you know, find a lot of value out of that too, just to kind of the summer to start thinking about things to, to and bring and to our listeners out there if there's something that we haven't brought up that you guys have questions on you know leave us a drop us a comment and yeah drop us a message and let us know if there's something that we can help answer yep we all have access to our uh, our instagram um and i'll set up a facebook page too here shortly but our instagram is just you know my life outdoors that's our handle and uh dm us and we'll answer it for you guys so hope you guys found this podcast helpful maybe to start thinking about get the wheels turning a little bit this time of year it is april but uh it starts now test the gear leave the flashlight on for eight hours and know that this one lasts for eight hours and not two hours test the microphones right now and we've already done this so we're kind of ready to test the water systems like right now is the perfect time there's, there's try no it pressure out try it out now anybody else had any departing thoughts uh no just that it never ends like uh now's the time to do everything KP, any words of wisdom? Oh, rock it out. Plan a trip. Put it in the calendar. Can't afford not to. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya.